now about to witness the strength of knowledge. This is Steve Dace. Raising a banner of bold colors, no pale pastels. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Our rights are inherent and essential, derived from our maker. That is liberty, and liberty will reign in America. This is Steve Dace. And greetings, happy Friday. Welcome to the Steve Day Show podcast edition here for Westwood One. My name is Steve Dace. Aaron is here alongside. Todd has the day off. Apparently, he thinks he should be allowed to go when one of his kids earns their way to a national competition or something. What it's, a selfish... Yeah. Why did you... Oh. Well, I'm, I have been getting accused of this lately, and I think this is evidence, Aaron. I am getting soft as I get older. That's true. You let him talk about soccer the other day. You were even open to letting him talk about it in the future. What is going on? This is not the job that I signed up for. No, I mean, when you started here, it was one coal in the stove and a day. When was one, the last... A day, I mean. Son of... Mr. Cratchit. When was the last time you fired me? You know, I, when I fired Erzin yesterday, it dawned on me. I haven't fired him in a long time. You haven't fired me in like... I don't know. Have you fired me yet this year? Don't tell me that. Has it really not been this entire year? You're going soft, man. It eventually catches up to all of us, right? Like, I'm finding infomercials at 1 a.m. strangely fascinating. It's um, it's happening. I was out mowing the lawn this morning, and I just felt this sudden urge. There was literally no one else out on the street, and I just wanted to scream out, get off my lawn. See, that's okay. You just need a gun now. I, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of funny. I realized I've had a concealed carry permit for two years, and then yesterday I realized I forgot to buy the gun for it. Is that bad? Well, a little bit. Do you think when they, if, if someone breaks into my home, if I just flash my CCL, think that'll do it? What's a CCL? Oh yes. Oh yeah. They will. They will run away. Yeah, I think that the, just the mere threat mm-hmm. that I might have it on me. You think that'd be good enough? Yeah. Yeah. Especially if your um, intruders are anti Second Amendment. Uh, Second Amendment. They're going to be horrified, mortified. One of. Um, one of the the woman who runs my my oldest daughter's drama club uh, let us let let her use a rocking chair for a prop uh-huh. and has left it at her house for like a year. Okay, and she finally asked for it back. And this is just another evidence of getting old and uh-huh. getting soft. I'm like, I really liked how that rocking chair looked in the family room. <laughs> yeah. Come over here and take it. Yeah. <laughs> It's easy. Uh, it's easy to do, though. You borrow something, and it becomes part of the feng shui of where you live. And, and it's a it's like it's a rocking chair. Yeah, you know, what's a glass of lemonade on a summer day without a rocking chair? That's true. I've got all the blinds drawn in my house to keep the heat out, so no one can look. <laughs> it's just, gosh, let's can we stop talking about this? I'm feeling more and more pathetic as it goes along. Anyway, we would love to know what you think about what we think, or what you think about my. Uh, Plummeting masculinity. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. A man of mediocre virility can also be liked on Facebook and followed on Twitter. 
At Steve Day Show, last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. Of course, it's a Friday, so if you haven't checked us out yet on CRTV, uh, today's a great day to, to join. We had our Dace Group weekly roundtables surveying the issues that made up the week that was. You can watch it today for, it's literally pennies on the dollar. If you use my last name, get off my lawn. I'm sorry, Dace. My last name, Dace, as a promo code. Although I should get get off my lawn as a promo code. I should get that. No, but that would be cruel. That would be cool. Yeah. It's much cooler than other programming, right? Yeah, and the next cologne is going to be mediocre virility. <laughs> you like that? Yeah. Plummeting. Plummeting virility. Plum- plummeting virility, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and the scent, there's like no scent to it. <laughs> yeah. It smells like nothing. It's like tap water. Yeah. It's like we took water, out of, lukewarm water out of a tap. Uh-huh. We distilled it and put it in a bottle. Here it is. Yep. Uh, blessed for you. Uh, But if you use my name as a promo code, you can get access to CRTV. It's only a quarter a day, and you won't just get to watch today's day's group, but all the shows we've ever done for CRTV, and and all the other outstanding programming at CRTV as well, from the great one, Mark Levin, right on down to Michelle Malkin, Stephen Crowder. Uh, I mean, we are literally adding shows, it seems like, pretty much every other week now. So CRTV.com, promo code DACE, and you too can watch the DACE group and all of our other great programming at CRTV for just just about a quarter a day. All right, let's get to it. Today's podcast is, of course, a Feedback Friday. And this is when we will share some of the feedback we've received here on the show in recent days and weeks. And we'll take a little bit of time to respond to how you guys chose to respond to us. And I want to begin with this note from Patrick, I think it's Boucher, or it could be Butcher. But I just think Boucher would be better. Like oh, yeah. Bobby Boucher, yeah. you know, the water boy. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to go with Boucher. Patrick writes, this will probably go long, and I apologize for that now, since I know you guys get so many emails, but I need to thank you. I joined CRTV through Crowder's Mug Club, but found you shortly after joining and have followed you guys ever since. I'm a veteran who, until 2016, tried to stay out of politics and felt myself dragged in by the lesser of two evils argument. I'm also a Catholic, so shout out to Todd, that did not realize how far my own pope strayed until you guys started to cover it. To put it simply, you you guys make me strive to be better than I am. Whether that is in my faith or in my politics, I have stood for the, to the side for too long, and I need to stand for all the things that I believe. So while a guy like Ben Shapiro may have convinced me to truly join the conservative movement, and Crowder was the one who brought me to CRTV, you're guy, you guys are the show that has convinced me that my voice must truly be heard. That is some elite company, by the yep. way. Patrick, we appreciate that. Yep. Thank you for all that you and your team do, and please never stop spreading the message. And I'm going to continue to watch you guys' show and listen to your podcast every day for as long as you are willing to speak the truth. While I follow many in the conservative media now, you guys have become my compass for what is and what is not BS. Yes, I still use my own judgment as to what is true and what is not, but I place a good deal of faith in what you guys have to say as well. Keep up the good work and thank you for all you do. Uh, I wanted to read Patrick's note because, you know, it makes me uncomfortable to read positive reinforcement. And the dirty little secret is I get a lot more positive reinforcement than negative reinforcement, and I actually have for years. It's just the negative reinforcement so much more fun. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you, you don't want to get you know high on your own supply here. You, know, you sit around thinking your own farts start smelling good when, you know, you sit around with a, an echo chamber of the like-minded, right? And so the other good thing about reading negative things is it helps to test your own arguments, to test your own metal, and that's good. Iron sharpens iron, right? But I wanted to read this one because I've been getting more and more of these kinds of notes lately. And I, 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 I want to say something 
a few things collectively to both Patrick and the the several of you that have sent us these sorts of notes in recent weeks. Number one thing I want to say is thank you very much. It it's very kind and it means a lot. And short of when I you know when I get feedback from people who are like I don't even agree with your worldview, but I I follow your work because I'm I want to find out what someone who honestly doesn't agree with me thinks that I think I can trust that they're at least trying to, you know, be an honest broker and standing up what they believe in, that that might be the greatest compliment we can get because if you can persuade someone who doesn't share your values to to follow your work anyway, A, that means that there's got to be some form of entertainment value to it. And that's the number one thing we're doing here. I, I, unlike a Rush Limbaugh, and I'm, you know, I, Rush may not be what he was 10 years ago, but our industry would not exist if it weren't for him. We can't ever forget that. I think, Aaron, you've said before, you were a Rush baby. So, you know, yep. it, our, all of our jobs in this industry, every last one of our jobs, every job here at CRTV, starting at the top with Mark Levin, who all of CRTV would not exist without Mark Levin. Okay, and his success. But Mark Levin would not have existed without Rush's success. And I guarantee you, if you ask Mark that, he would tell you the same thing. I mean, Rush, we have everybody in this industry that gets to make a full time living standing up for conserving their values and principles that made America exceptional. Oh, Rush, an eternal debt of gratitude for blazing that trail and forging that path. But unlike Rush, I don't mind being called an entertainer. We have to be entertaining here. As the great prophet Snoop Dogg once said, Disho Bennett, if it's not entertaining, people aren't going to listen. They're not going to watch. So I, I don't bristle at that at all. Um, and I, I understand why Rush has in the past, because it's been used as an argument to minimize the intellectual heft of his arguments. But I kind of think using being branded as an entertainer is to my advantage, because what I have learned, and at least maybe it's different from my generation and Aaron's generation to Russia's generation, the baby boom generation, but in the younger generations, the more entertaining you are, the more you get away with saying stuff that people in another context might have been exceedingly offended by. You, you, you agree with that, Aaron? Absolutely. Yeah. That's I why I have no issue being labeled an entertainer, because it almost is like a ghetto pass. It's almost like a it's it's almost like a uh, a hall pass, a human shield, where it's like if I'm entertaining, then I get to say stuff that in in a plainer context in this and younger generations might cause people to be triggered and recoil on sight and look for garlic and make signs of the crosses. All right, so I have no issue with being labeled an entertainer. Uh, this has to be entertaining, and so if we can do an entertaining enough product that people that don't agree with us will consume it, that's great. Um, people that are looking for honest viewpoints that they don't even share and and they think they've seen enough integrity in our work that that they will follow it even when they don't agree with the opinions we're giving that's probably the greatest compliment we can get cuz that's the hardest sale to make right really close to that though are notes like what Patrick shared here where we are inspiring and mobilizing people to think higher to do better um that's tremendous and that leads me to the other reason I wanted to bring this up. Always make sure, and, I, and I'm not, Patrick, when I say this, I'm not singling you out because you, first of all, you're a veteran, all right? So um, you're someone that's already put their life on the line for what they believe. I've put my career on the line many times, but I've, I've never put my life on the line. So you got me beat there, brother, <laughs> okay? Okay. Um, 
So I'm not talking about you, Patrick, but I want to use your note as a launch point just to reset this every now and then. Let's make sure we're not the heroes here. I've said to my kids from the time they could think on their own, whenever they've asked me, is daddy famous? And now they will tell you now that they're older. If their friends ask them, is your dad famous? They will say, only Jesus is famous. That's the only, we're not famous. This is not about us. One of the most powerful things I've ever seen in my life is I was at a Promise Keepers after I got saved. I think it was maybe the last one that ever came to Des Moines. And Chris Tomlin was the musical act. And he sang one of his great modern day worship songs, famous one. And they close with the chorus um, over and over and over again. And then the band stops playing so that the crowd can sing it on their own. And then as the crowd is singing it on its own, all the stage lights go off. And him and his band just turn around and walk off the stage so that they will receive no applause. The message that sent to me that day as someone that was just beginning to become a public figure in my career was profound. And I can promise you, as still my good friend and my old pastor, Bob Deaver, used to say, be careful looking up to me. There's a reason Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. Pastor Bob, you say to me all the time, half the time, you don't want to know what's prattling around in this mind of mine. And half the time, I don't want, <laughs> I don't want to consider it. Um, we're still dudes. We are still imperfect. We fall. We're not always right. We're not always righteous. Um, we will have impure thoughts to varying degrees on various topics. We're just men. Now, we may be just men, if you know what I'm saying here. Meaning we have been justified by the work God is doing in our lives. But we are. We may be just men, but we are still just men. And I just think we, we need to reset that every now and then. Because one of my former coworkers said something to me several years ago. And when she said it to me, I, I understood the context in which she said it. But over the last couple of years, I actually think the paradigm there needs to be reversed. And she said to me, you know, the more upfront and more well-known you are, don't screw it up, man. And for a while... I appreciated that pressure, and it was good for me. But as, as the last few years have gone on, it has felt like an anvil. It has been a burden. And Jesus says, um, come to me, those of you that are heavy laden, that are burdened. And now I kind of think, Instead of accepting that responsibility, I kind of think the right way to handle this 
is to realize it's never been my responsibility. It's not my responsibility. I, I didn't die on a cross. I'm just a kid born to a 15-year-old mom. Lord, give it. The Lord take it away. If you found out tomorrow I was a child molester or something terrible, heinous, you know what? It wouldn't change whether Jesus walked out of that tomb one iota or not. It wouldn't change one syllable of the Bible or not. That doesn't mean I I don't have a responsibility as a believer, particularly a public one, to protect the integrity of my witness. But what it does mean, though, is ultimately that when we believe that burden relies solely or primarily on us, man, the devil has us right where he wants us. We can't carry that. To quote the Beatles, can't carry that weight. Can't carry that one. And the stress of carrying it, of trying to live up to it, will have you seeking all kinds of tempting ways to self-medicate. Can't carry that burden. And it's not ours to carry. We're not God. And I think maybe the best antidote to not becoming the next disappointing guy or leader you read about or public figure you read about is just to, from right from the beginning, be open about we're not special. We're not your leaders. And maybe the reason we've been able to survive some of my own stupidity or taking very, very difficult positions at times or challenging conventional wisdoms, maybe the reason why God's let us survive a lot of things that in other careers have not been able to be sustained doing some of the things we've done right or wrong is because we are, we're going to keep the focus on him. Because I can promise you, if you follow me around, if you heard everything I ever said to my kids, you would be disappointed at some time. If you followed, if you followed me around and, and saw everything my eyes looked at, at some point you would be disappointed. Or everything my ears heard, at some point you would be disappointed. And I am. That's why I need a savior. And I think, you know, we're going to make some announcements here soon that will do more uh, to raise our potential profile and grow our platform. And I think that's why it's an even, it's another good time right now to reset this. This isn't about us. And we've used the King David analogy so poorly over the years to justify abysmal behavior by political leaders that we just want to come up with a reason to elevate to vote for him as opposed to I'm just voting for you because you're not a communist. I, I No, I need you to be a hero. I don't need to be your hero and I'm not your hero and I won't accept the charge if offered because I'm not qualified for it. There's one hero. His name is Jesus. And he is the only undefeated being in the history of this universe. They couldn't kill him. They couldn't bury him. They couldn't keep him dead. Put me behind a thousand pound rock, I'm going to stay dead. He walked out of there like a boss, like it never happened. And I think as long, Aaron, as we remember that and continue to proclaim that, 
I think it's a paradox. I think maybe the way to escape the indignities that have been suffered so often, and this is what it means when it says David's a man after God's own heart. It's for all of his mistakes, and he made terrible mistakes. He still never forgot, ultimately, God is God and I am not. And if we can hold on to that one simple but not easy truth, then I think God can do amazing things even through very flawed vehicles like us. Yeah, that's extremely well said. And what we're talking about is uh, humility and not a false sense of humility uh, where we're constantly comparing ourselves uh, to other people, but true humility, which comes when um, we realize that we're not the ones uh, who have to work so hard. Um, God, through his son, Jesus Christ, did all the work for us, ultimately. He is the focus and the center of affection, or at least should be, for our hearts and minds. And so out of that, whether or not um, Steve Dace or Aaron McIntyre is doing great and their career is great and making uh, lots of money and growing the platforms, those things should just be nice asides. They shouldn't be the be-all, end-all. They shouldn't be the measurement of, um, of how we view ourselves. And I hope and pray that they're not the measurement of how others view us as well. Uh, that instead, as our listener stated earlier, it is because we're trying to pursue truth. Um, and I do appreciate his words, especially towards the end. I'm sorry, my voice is breaking up. You had a sinus infection last week, and I saw how much fun you were having, so I got went out, went out and got one myself. Oh, did you really? Uh, yeah, I think Tell so. me I didn't give it to you. Oh, I don't think so. I know, because we were like making out the other day, and I was yeah, really no, worried about no, that. No, yeah, no. So my voice, if my voice sounds like I'm cracking up, I don't have Benjamin Button disease. I'm just going, yeah. Um, no, what he said towards the end where I still think for myself, but, you know, I um, basically paraphrasing him, um, I, I place great value on what you guys have to say. I, it's not the second part of that, but it is the first part. I still think for myself... But I'm willing, essentially what I'm saying, what he's saying, and I'm still willing to listen to other people. That is the greatest compliment because um, what has done us in, among other things, but the specific sin that has uh, or outcropping of sin that has done a lot of us in on, you know, in evangelicalism, in Catholicism, it just it's tribalism. It's not being willing to just listen to a contrarian opinion. So that is a high compliment from uh, from our listener patrick was his name yes yeah thank you very much patrick we appreciate it indeed if we model anything to you i i don't think don't look at us and say boy that that's the christian life i want that's the christian man i want to be look at us and say I want to serve a God who can do that in the lives of men like that. Put it in reverse. Don't start with us. End with us. Start with him. 
You want to serve a God who can make himself known through flawed vessels like us. That's what you want. You don't want to be us. You want that relationship with him. That's what you want. It's well said. Uh, Let's get to a couple more here. I'm a new follower of Christ, having been baptized only this year, but the more I study scripture, the more I realize my church is not truly following the gospel, but a watered-down version. Our pastor seems to pick and choose only certain teachings and ignore others, a buffet-style gospel, which is really no gospel at all. And yes, there are more than one resist bumper stickers in the parking lot. I am torn as to what to do about this with my family. Part of me wants to get involved in the leadership more and help steer people back to the way, and the other wants to leave and find a church that follows all of Scripture, not just the popular portions. I would value any insight you have on this. Thank you. From Alex M. Alex, I have some personal experience with some of what you're talking about. Uh, The very first church that uh, my family and I ever formally belonged to, the more I grew in my faith, the more I realized we're not really preaching the full counsel of God here. And for a while, I got involved um, in the teaching because I was a public figure doing local sports talk radio. They were happy to let me do volunteer layman classes uh, and lead the teaching there. Uh, And I kind of would just actually teach the Bible that wasn't being taught on Sundays. And after I did this for a couple of years, I actually had a couple of people came up to me after class and would start asking me like, do you know you're like openly contradicting what is being said on Sundays? And I didn't, I didn't, I was openly contradicting it, but I wasn't telling them I was. I was just preaching and teaching what was right out of the Bible. And eventually people picked up on that. And, and for a while I was able to do some good. And then there was this meeting that um, some elders in our church were having a meeting offsite because they were afraid about the direction of the church. And I was really offended that they were going to have this meeting off-site because I thought it was gossip. I thought it was um, very destructive. And we were very, very loyal to this church because we had a lot of friends there. My wife and I were both um, baptized into that church or by that church, I should say. And so I, I, I went uninvited to this off-site meeting that these elders had invited a few select people to with the intent of giving these people uh, a little what for. And when I arrived, one of the brand new believers that was taking my discipleship class was there. And it blew me away that he was one of the invitees. And so there was this little voice in the back of my head that said, hey, try shutting up for a few minutes and just watch before you speak. And that's what I did. And what I heard was that these elders had not been convened to meet for like three years. That the the church board had essentially become uh, uh, a board of directors. It was being run like a business. It was a couple of big donors that were very close to the head pastor. And no contrarian viewpoints were basically permitted whatsoever. There was very little pastoral accountability. That... Uh, a man was a man that was a cell phone company executive had been relocated to Des Moines, and the head pastor of the church had decided, you know, their giving was down, and so he was concerned. So he had this guy with his corporate experience do a forensic audit of the church, and after he spent several months doing this forensic audit, he had presented his findings to the to the pastor, 
And what he told them is, even though your attendance continues to go up, your giving is going down. And the reason your giving's going down is because um, mature believers are leaving. So you're doing a good job of getting people through the door, but then after a while they realize they need more. They need solid spiritual food. They need to be taught the Bible. And so they're leaving and going to places where they will be taught that. And since mature believers are the most likely to uh, to give, that's why your giving is down even though your attendance, or your giving is way down even though your attendance is way up. And in fact, this church eventually fell on such hard times it doesn't even exist anymore. They're, they're actually building a movie theater on its land as we speak. And so when this uh, cell phone company executive who was asked to do this audit by the head pastor of the church, when they asked him to do it, they basically, since they didn't like what he said, they basically uh, shunned him. You know, like a story of an Old Testament prophet who's, you know, stoned for telling people what they don't want to hear, even though it's what God sent him to say. And as I sat here listening to this, and I kept looking over at this young man that I had just begun discipling. And I was blown away that he had the discernment and the courage of conviction to stand up and do something and, and, and listen to what was actually happening here. And I did not. And it was very convicting to me. And I went back home after this meeting. I never said a word. And I went back home after this meeting and I called one of, the, my, one of my mentors who had, was on the pastoral leadership team, but because he too had a mind of his own, had basically been banished from staff meetings. And I asked him what he thought I should do. And he said, do you think you could, in good conscience, publicly recommend if someone listening to your show emailed you and said, hey, where do you go to church? I want to go, to, I want to go where you go. In good conscience, could you recommend that they attend here? Man, I, I felt like donkey. Cut me, cut me quick, strike you, cut me deep. That's, that, that was a kneecapper right there. And I had like a William Shatner-like pregnant pause. And I said, no. He goes, then I think you know what you need to do. Now, what, Alex, does this have to do with your particular situation? Nothing and everything. I don't know your church, and I know what the issues are. I don't know you. I share that story with you because I want you to know, with what I'm about to say next, that I've been where you are at, okay? But... Churches like families are are not one size paint one size fits all. They're not paint by numbers. They're they're difficult, complicated relationships. It is just as possible the Lord wants you to stay there and see if you can have a positive impact as it is that it's time to kick the dust off your sandals and move on. I'm only sharing you my story, not because there's a formula to follow or an outcome to emulate, but because there's a process. I think. I want you to learn from my own myopic mistake. Whatever you think in your own human sight, your own human perspective, is what God wants you to do. Before you act on it, be willing to have it challenged and pushed back on first to make sure you're right. All right, do faith with works and not works with faith. Meaning, act on what you are confident God is asking you to do Don't act on what you are confident is the right thing to do and then ask God to make it right from there. Those are two totally different things. One is where Abel gives an offering of faith and the other is the Cain-like offering that you give the offering to God you want to give.
And I really didn't mean to get all asked the pastor on this podcast. I just realized we're kind of, well, that's okay. I talked about my plummeting virility when we started. So we're, we're still kind of in the same Steve Day show you're used ripping, to listening to. Ripping all the Band-Aids off. <laughs> yes. Um, but I, I, I'm only sharing my story with you, Alex, because I just want you to, don't, don't put it on autopilot. Use the force, Luke. Okay? Be willing, be willing to act on what God wants you to do. But make sure that's what you're doing before you act. And talk, you know, if you're married, you know what? Talk to your wife. Find out where she is at. This would be a very difficult decision to act on one way or the other if you guys are not of one mind on this. Okay? So I hope that helps. Aaron, did you want to add anything to that or not? No, I think that's pretty good. Pretty good. Um pretty good advice i've never been in a situation quite like that before i would say um if there is specific sin um that needs to be addressed uh then there's i mean there's specific guidelines in the bible for for following that right um and you know um whether it always it's it matthew 17 is that yep. the yeah matthew i didn't 17. bring that up because he seemed to indicate it was specifically it's, a doctrine exactly matter yeah, yeah. It, if there's specific sin then you know it's matthew 17 follow that example but it doesn't sound like there is and so i think um when that is the case when doctrine is an error the problem always lies at the top, I would say, and probably 99.9%. And within a lot of churches, um, that's going to be a large, um, you know, the top of the church, the leadership of the church. It's going to be, that could be a large group of people, or a relatively large group of people. And so how would you even go about changing leadership Um how would you do that? Is that really worth, um, you know, if, if you really think that God is leading you to try to change things in that church, then that is something to weigh. But is it really uh, stewarding your time and your treasure to try to change, um, to try to change the direction of church by, by uh, I don't, don't have a better term at the top of my tongue, but blowing up, you know, leadership in that church? Most of the time, I would say that's probably not the case, and it's probably just better. There's there's a ton of churches out there. There's a lot of yep. them that are God fearing and that have solid doctrine. Go and join one of go and join one of those. Last thing, if we're going to ask the pastor, let's just go ahead and finish with it. Um, Chris Ports says, "I have an interesting example in physics that I think helps me and others that listen to your show to understand the Trinity." Um. An electron is a wave and a particle, otherwise known as a wave-particle duality. Since an electron is always moving, the location and momentum cannot be known. That's what's called the Heisenberg uncertainty principle. But we know that the electron exists in a charged cloud, otherwise known as an orbital. Therefore, there are three ways to describe an electron that are distinct at all moments, yet it remains a single object. It is a particle, it is a wave, and it is a cloud. It is all of those three things at the exact same time while remaining a singular object. The way to describe an electron is in the context of an individual frame of reference and how the electron interacts with the physical world. But an electron is always 100% all three of these forms at the same time. I find it fascinating that atheists who worship science can make exceptions in moral law, but not natural law. Quantum physics is just one field of science replete with paradoxes that we accept on faith based 
in evidence. Chris, I've never heard that explanation of the Trinity before. I'm not immediately signing on, but I'm not rejecting it either. But I found it so fascinating that I wanted to throw it out there for our audience and just let people chew on that a little bit over the weekend. I thought that was very original, Aaron. Yes, Yes, I, I like the part about uh, accepting <laughs> accepting paradoxes in the scientific world um, and using that as a means to um, as a means to kind of push back against their uh, chiding of anything having to do with God or, or, or uh, Christianity or any any sense of transcendent truth. It does does strike me as a little bit modalist. But it is still an original analogy at any rate. I My pat answer for the Trinity, I said this one time on the radio show a couple, two, three years ago. I would like, one of my life goals would be to actually think of an analogy that would sufficiently uh, describe the Trinity to an unbeliever without drifting into heresy. And I came to the realization you can't do that because there is nothing like the Trinity. But it's still a cool... Um, cool analogy uh, nonetheless well let us know what you think about what we think steve at stevedace.com is the email address you can like us on facebook and follow us on twitter at steve Dace show don't forget um if you have not yet done so please click subscribe there on your uh, platform that you use to access our podcast for west one one every day send us a positive email or i'm sorry a positive review there if you could do that too and uh, i know a lot of you listening have already done so those really help but we could always use more so thank you for the ones that have already done so and thank you in advance for the ones that will soon do so as well have a great weekend Back again on Monday, John 317. This is Steve Dace. I like it, you.